Welcome to Awaken to Grace. On today's broadcast, we have a sermon called God Meant It for Good. And as we conclude this great series on Joseph called Providence, the life of Joseph, we're going to see that all throughout the 110 years of Joseph's life, everything that happened to him, every twist, every turn, ultimately, God meant it for good. And you know what? The same story is true of your life as well as my life. Everything that happens to us as Christ followers, Romans 8.28 says, God has the ability to take all things, the good things, the bad things, even the tragic things. God has the ability to work all things together for our good. And that's the title of today's sermon, God Meant It for Good. I know it's going to build your faith as you listen today. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 45. Oh, I can't wait to share some wonderful principles with you today. I'm calling today, I'm calling today, God meant it for good. If you follow our ministry, you probably know that I'm blind. If you're a guest and perhaps you uh, have never met me or you don't know us, uh, I am a blind pastor as of a year ago, and so... Um, and so it works out really nice that when I have to preach hard subjects, I can't see people's faces. So it actually works really nice. And uh, I tell people now, they say, well, how do you handle it? And I say, well, I'm like a Roomba vacuum cleaner. I just bump into things, I rescan, and then I go a different way, right? But God, God has given me phenomenal, sustaining grace through this season of blindness. And, 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 I'll just, and I'll just tell you, and, I, and I'll tell you as transparent and as honestly as I can tell you, I am happier today than I've ever been in my entire life. I'm happier today in my family life. I'm happier in my career in pastoring. I'm happier in the level of ministry we're in. I'm happier in my walk with the Lord than I have ever been in any time or any season of my entire life. And it is purely the rich and sustaining grace of God that makes that possible. Amen? And I experience it every single day of my life. Joseph has been very personal to me. When I preached the sermon the king's prison. What a personal sermon that was to me. When I preached the sermon, the making of a godly man, oh, how personal it was to me. And today as I share with you some thoughts concerning God meant it for good, I'm sharing personally, amen? So I hope that you have walked away with some great truths that are changing your life the way my life is being changed by the study of Joseph. So let's begin in chapter 45. When you and I left Joseph last week, <clears throat> he had asked all the Egyptians to leave the room. And it was just his 11 brothers and him. And there Joseph revealed himself in the first uh, one, two, three, four verses of chapter 45. 
He reveals himself, and the Bible tells us that his brothers were dismayed. If you remember last week, we said that word dismayed was the same word that Adam and Eve experienced when they stood before God naked and ashamed. And it literally means to fear, to shake, and to tremble. And that's how afraid they were. And Joseph offering rich grace and forgiveness says, please come near to me. And his brothers come near and he kisses them and hugs them and forgives them. And it's just a, it's some of the most beautiful scripture in all of the Bible. The Bible says that they talked for a while. Can you imagine that conversation? Well, where we pick up today is going to be in verse 16 of chapter 45. And I want you to notice something. (coughs) Excuse me. If we're not careful and we just read through the text too quickly, I'm afraid that we miss this incredible principle. And this is one of the first things I want us to note as we conclude the series today. The Bible says that when Pharaoh learned about Joseph and his brothers, the Bible says it pleased the house of Pharaoh. Now, I find this very important, brothers and sisters, because let me tell you the principle that I see here. When Joseph chose to forgive, everyone understood the power that he had. Everyone understood that he could do anything he wanted because he was number two in the land. And he would have been justified in punishing his brothers. He would have been justified in causing them to suffer. But instead, what he did, he offered them forgiveness. And the Bible says that when Pharaoh heard of it, when the house of Pharaoh heard, when Egypt heard of the forgiveness that Joseph extended, Pharaoh was pleased. In other words, it impacted them. It made a difference in them. Do you know what I see here, my friends? I see that when it comes to my life and your life, let me tell you who's watching. Let me tell you who's paying attention to your life and whether or not you'll offer grace to people, whether or not you'll extend forgiveness to people in your life who they don't deserve it, whether or not you'll forgive those from your past that it's not a matter of do they deserve it or not. It's a matter of let grace be grace, as we said last week. And do you know what happens when you and I extend the grace that Joseph extended? A dying and a lost world pays attention. And a world that is lost and on its way to hell. Listen, it's watching your life and they're watching my life. And they're waiting to see what you and I will do. And the forgiveness or the unforgiveness that we show is going to impact them. How is it that Joseph, probably being the only God-fearing Hebrew, probably in the land of Egypt, at least in the house of Pharaoh, and Joseph who says, I worship the one, the true, the living God, what would it have said if he had not have forgave? What would it have said? But instead, he offered grace and he extended grace mercy, and he gave forgiveness. And what a testimony that it was to Pharaoh's household. Who's watching you? Who's paying attention to what you say? Who's paying attention to how you deal and how you handle with those who have mistreated you or not handled you right? No, my friends, Joseph 
was so shaped and so molded by God. As we've said throughout the course of the series, he was looking ahead. He had no interest in looking in the rearview mirror. He was looking ahead, and grace put you looking ahead. And for those of you that you struggle and you live in the past and people have truly hurt you. And as I said last week, I don't even pretend to understand some of the hurts that people who are listening have experienced. I know, I I don't pretend that I understand how you feel. What I'm sharing with you is God gives us the ability through his grace, by his Holy Spirit, to forgive. And the point for this week is when you do choose to forgive, a lost world pays attention. And it is a testimony to the grace that God has offered in your own life. So, Pharaoh notices, and all the house of Pharaoh notices, and Now everybody knows Joseph's story, and they know Joseph's family and Joseph's brothers. Well, what Joseph tells his brothers is, I want you to go up to Canaan. I want you to get my father, and I want you to bring him down. And he not only sends them with some grain and enough provisions for the journey, but listen to what the Bible says. He sends wagons, and he sends 10 male donkeys loaded with food, and he sends 10 female donkeys loaded with food. I mean, we're talking about a caravan headed up to Canaan. And the Bible says that at the end of chapter 45, the brothers get ready and they go on and and, uh, Joseph is with them as he sees them out of Egypt. And do you know what Joseph says to his brothers? Again, there's a phrase here that's so subtle, it's so easy to miss. But there's a huge principle that I want to show you throughout the rest of our text today. Joseph says something to his brothers. Now, think about it. They've had a great time of reconciliation. They've had an incredible time of experiencing grace and forgiveness. And and I just can't imagine all the hugs and all the tears and all the lost memories and all the stories shared. And right before they leave Egypt, do you know what Joseph tells his brothers? Do not quarrel on the journey. I love that phrase. (laughs) Because do you know what it says to me? Joseph understood that even though he had given grace to his family, even though they had experienced his forgiveness, human nature is still human nature. And the point that I'm going to make throughout the rest of the, of the sermon today that I'm going to show you in a couple more incidences with his brothers Just because you forgive someone, just because you offer grace to someone, doesn't mean they're not going to revert back to how they were. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to stay in a place of grace? Have you ever offered forgiveness to someone only for them to go back and act the way they acted before? You ever shown grace to someone and then they went right back to how they were before? Joseph was wise enough to know that his brothers very well could revert back. And so he admonishes them, he instructs them, he goes, don't quarrel on the journey. Oh, I love that, I love that. Good sibling rivalry, right? So here they go home. The Bible says that they 
go to their father and they tell their father that Joseph is alive. And the Bible says Jacob's heart grew numb. He didn't believe them. And when he came outside and he saw the wagons and he saw the male donkeys and the female donkeys and all the goods of Egypt, the Bible says his spirit revived. Faith came back into the old patriarch's heart. And he finds out Joseph, his son, is not only alive, he's the number two in all of Egypt. He's prime minister of Egypt. Now, there's something the Bible doesn't tell us. There's a gap between chapter 45 and 46. And I'll just be honest with you. When I get to heaven, I've got a research project that I'm wanting to do. I want to go to to the brothers and to Jacob, and, and I want to know something. What was the conversation like when Jacob said, how is Joseph still alive? What happened to him? The brothers can't lie about it because within a matter of weeks, Jacob's going to be face to face with Joseph. They have to come clean. They have to tell their father the truth. What do you think that conversation was like? Can you even imagine it? I can't wait to get to heaven and, and just, just I, I want to know. Tell me the story. So Jacob now has to make a choice. Joseph wants him to come down to Egypt to live. Joseph wants him to leave what is familiar for what is unfamiliar. And now the old patriarch has to make a decision. Now say amen if you're with me this morning. Jacob had to make a decision, and there's something that I see here, and, 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 and listen, this is so important to me because I've said a lot of bad things about Jacob through this series, haven't I? I mean, we've traced many of his mistakes. You remember the name Jacob actually means trickster, deceiver. And Jacob had tremendous falls, even though he is a patriarch, and even though it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob, Jacob was deeply flawed. And we see in his younger past, I mean, look how he deceived his father. Look how he deceived his brother. Look at the carnage that he created. He married Leah and didn't love Leah. And he met the ultimate deceiver, Laban. And and we went through all that history. and, And then not only was that in his past, but when God gave him his family, we saw all the mistakes that Jacob made. He allowed hatred and he allowed jealousy within his children and within his home. He allowed it. He allowed the great sin of Reuben to take place. He allowed his sons to do the massacre that happened at Shechem over the raping of his daughter Dinah. And he allowed it all. He was a passive father. He had favoritism in his home that absolutely ruined his family. He loved Benjamin and Joseph more than his other sons. Jacob made fatal flaws when it came to his family. And then last week we even showed that that, that, that even when, when... The brothers come home and they leave Simeon because he's in prison in Egypt. We saw instead of faith... Jacob was fatalistic, and he goes, Joseph is dead, and Simeon is dead, and I'm bereaved of my children, and there was zero faith in his heart. 
And Jacob just mistake after mistake after mistake. But you know what the beautiful part about Jacob is? Is that God redeems sinners. Jacob was flawed up one side and down the other. And yet God said, I'm going to change your name from Jacob and I'm going to call you Israel, my beloved. And last week we mentioned how unbelievable it is that Jacob who wrestled God and Jacob who had visions of angels ascending and descending and yet he doesn't have faith to trust God? Well, that changes in chapter 46. In chapter 46, Jacob has a decision to make. Am I going to go down and live in Egypt or am I going to remain in Canaan? Now, you have to understand at this point, Jacob is no spring chicken. He is 130 years old. How would you like to move out of your home and out of your land and out of your culture being 130 years old? Would that sound fun to you? 130 years old. And now Jacob, I think how easy it would have been for Jacob to have said, you know, Joseph is prime minister of Egypt. I bet he gets some significant vacation time. Why don't, Jake, why don't Joseph come and see me? No. I don't think it was an easy thing for the patriarch to move. Let me tell you why. As you read chapter 46, Jacob does leave. He leaves what's familiar, Canaan, to go south to what's unfamiliar, Egypt. But he builds an altar on his way down to the Lord, and he worships the Lord, and the Lord appears to him in the middle of the night. And do you know what the Lord tells him? This is so beautiful. The Lord tells him, Jacob, go to Egypt, and I will be with you. And then he says something very special, something very comforting. He says, and the hand of Joseph will close your eyes. In other words, Joseph will be by you when you die. He's giving him a word of comfort, a word of promise. And he said, you'll be brought back up to the land of Canaan. Do you know what the point of this is, church? When Jacob knew that God was in it, when God appeared to him and said, go to Egypt and I will be with you. As flawed as the patriarch was, as stubborn as the man was, as fatalistic as the man was, as many huge mistakes in his character as what the man had, he had an attitude of if God's not in it, I'm not going to do it. And I love that about him. And when God gave him the assurance, when God said, I know this is hard, I know it's not easy, you're leaving what is so familiar for what's so unfamiliar, but listen, Jacob, I'm in it, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to go with you. Then the man, he moved with faith. Amen? What about your life? What about my life? See, I, I like everything at my fingertips, <laughs> especially now that I've lost my eyesight. I love for everything to be right at my fingertips. If I have to go looking for something, I get in a bad mood, right? My kids move something or, you know, something's misplaced. <sighs> I like for everything to just be in its place. I like for nothing to be in my pathway while I walk, right? 
My kids think it's really funny when there are things in my pathway and they prank me. (sighs) But I don't like the unfamiliar, especially now that I've lost sight. I can't imagine being 130 years old and being comfortable and God asking me to move. But what about your life? Is God calling you to something different? Is God asking you to start or to be involved in something that makes you uncomfortable? Here's my question today. Are you willing to leave what is familiar? What has been Canaan to you? Are you willing to follow God? Some of you, the Lord wants you serving in a specific ministry. Some of you, God wants you engaged in kingdom work, but it's unfamiliar to you. Some of you, you should be serving, and you can fill in the blank because there's all kinds of different places to serve. Do you know in this church, do you know we have 21 ministry teams? 21 ministry teams. And you should be plugged in. You should be serving. But do you know why so many of us don't? Because it's uncomfortable. Right? There may be some of you that God's speaking to you about a career change. God is prompting you toward a career change. But you're resisting. Why? Because it's not comfortable. Do you know what the Bible says in the book of Amos? It says, woe unto them that are at ease. In Zion. Now, come on, say amen if you're with me right now. It's getting uncomfortable, isn't it? But that's the point. Woe unto those that are at ease in Zion. One of the measurements that I try to do in my own life and in this church is this question Are we comfortable? Because when we start getting comfortable, odds are we're not following Christ the way we ought to be. Would you agree with that? So, are you comfortable? Are you you in that, uh, is God calling you out of familiarity into the place that's unfamiliar? Are you too comfortable? Listen, the Lord told me something one time concerning the church. We had just started, we had just started, well, I, I say just started, we were probably a couple years into it. And, um, And let me tell you, we had nothing when we started. So many of you, you've come to the church in the last several years, but let me tell you, (laughs) we had less than nothing. I went to buy offering plates at Lifeway, and we could not afford offering plates. Are you with me? They were $56 an offering plate. I don't know why I couldn't think we could just buy one. I thought you had to have four. I don't know what I was thinking. But every church I'd ever been in always had at least four, if not more than that. And 56 a pop. And we couldn't even afford that. We didn't have any musicians. We didn't have any sound. We didn't have. We had nothing. We had nothing when we started. And no money and no financial backing. And and so, you know, we start and the Lord helps us and God is... God is, and he he truly helps us. I mean, God just, it's like he put us in a little incubator and just said, okay, you're going to (laughs) grow. And the Lord helped us. 
If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcast, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace. 